0: Today, from our passage, Paul, the Apostle Paul, will provide for us a fundamental key to success. Now, you might hear that and go, uh, it, it sounds like this could be one of those, you know, seven steps to well-being. Uh, like, like the pastor's going to be writing a book, and so here's one of the fundamental keys to success. By the way, is there, is there room for another book on the seven steps to well-being? I do believe, though, from this passage that that indeed, uh, by the end of our conversation tonight, we would have agreed upon that we would have seen in the text a fundamental key to living successfully in this world. All right, so last week, uh, we talked about uh, uh, flee and pursue, and we were looking at the second half of the second chapter of 2 Timothy, and in that passage, he... uh, uh, Paul writes to his protege Timothy, a pastor in a congregation, and he writes to him encouraging him, hey, here's, here's stuff you need to flee. And we found that effectively that was quarreling, just that there are going to be people who are going to disagree with you and, and will teach wrong things. Don't just enter into a quarreling situation. It's, we were told flee the passions of youth, you know, that, that um, in, this, in these disagreements, don't just sit there and start quarreling with somebody and that leads to nowhere, and instead to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, the very things of God, flee and pursue. Well, this week what we find is avoid and continue. So, kind of a a similar type of teaching, avoid some stuff and continue and stuff. In fact, fact, specifically, uh, Paul will identify for Timothy and for us, people to avoid and patterns to continue, people to avoid and patterns to continue. So, let's go ahead and read our passage. It is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, the whole of chapter 3. Uh, Feel free to make use of one of our Bibles. If you're participating at home, uh, feel free to, uh, whether you hit pause or just get up and grab your Bible and make use of it, we'll also put it on the screen. Hear the Word of God. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into the households and capture "'Weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, "'always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. "'Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, "'so these men also oppose the truth, "'men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. "'But they will not get very far, "'for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. "'You, however,' have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse and for training in righteousness that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Would you pray with me? Father, we do acknowledge your goodness. We acknowledge that in this text you bless us, that you give us a gift. So God, we ask that even as You are here in this moment, that You would take the teaching of Your passage and use it in the renewing of our minds, that You would work Your transformation of us more and more into the image of Your Son. We pray this in His name. Amen. All right, today, two topics to cover. Two topics to cover people to avoid, patterns to continue. People to avoid, patterns to continue. But first, let's talk about this. Before we get to that, let's, Paul says something at the beginning of our passage where he uh, wants to help us to understand the times, how important it is to understand the times that we are in. We know the idea of that in this world there are different rules for different times. You can look at the subjects of... Uh, Uh, economics or philosophy or music, and you can track different patterns over different eras in history. In fact, it would apply to dating as well. Those of you who frequent um, victorianera.org, which I'm sure that's a high percentage of the room, maybe you've made those comparisons yourself and how the rules of dating have changed over the the seasons, over the years. Do you know that according to the rules of dating in the Victorian era, a Victorian woman was never permitted to go out alone and meet a gentleman? A single woman never addressed a gentleman without an introduction. There was no physical contact between the woman and the gentleman until marriage. There was an exception. Victorian etiquette for men courting Dictated that a man could offer the girl his hand if the road was uneven. That was the only touch which was accepted between the sexes if they were not engaged. By the way, a woman was allowed some liberties, however. She could flirt with her fan. Oh. Don't you love being out at a restaurant and you see a couple across there and the, she just has her fan? It touches the heart. It's a little different than the rules today. Uh, Sup? Coffee emoji? Question mark. Uh, And a date is happening. Different rules for different times. So, Paul wants us to know the times so that we can know the rules. He wants us to know the times so we can know the rules. He um, says this in verse 1. He says, but understand this that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. He says the same thing in First Timothy as well. In chapter 4, verse 1 there, he says, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, last times, later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons." So, times of difficulty will include uh, the experience of people um, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. These are tough times. It's part of Paul's already not yet teaching. We find it in Scripture. We find not just Paul teaching, but that that God has already accomplished some things. In fact, we know that He's already won the, uh, the battle for our lives, that Jesus' death on the cross secures our salvation in heaven forevermore. We are victorious in Christ. It's already happened. The goodness of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus has been applied to God's children. It's already happened. And yet, there is a not yet component to it. And so, in these times, in these latter days, and when we look at the writing that Paul has that follows this first verse, we can tell that he's already in the midst of those times. So, we know that there's a last day when Jesus is going to return, but until that day, we're living in these end times, these last times, the end of an age, these latter times. Jesus describes something of this as well. In Matthew 24, we find Jesus saying these words, and then the end will come. The last days will be difficult, trying, hard. You know, later in our passage, maybe you caught it, in verses 12 and 13, Paul describes a little of that for Christians. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived." the word difficult. In our culture, in our language, it can be, well, you know, some things can be difficult. It's difficult to make a a souffle rise perfectly. That's a difficult thing. The word actually being used here is a a much different word. In fact, it's the word that is used in Mark chapter 8 when they talk about uh, two men that are are, um, overtaken by demons and that the same adjective is being used there. So it has this meaning, this feeling of violence and fierceness. In these latter times, in the last days, there will be violence and fierceness, and difficulty. Now, it could be tempting to utilize a patches like this and try to create this fear based mentality among the people of God. And I don't believe that Paul is doing that at all. We know what that's like, right? We've seen that in our culture, that, that in our culture, in political races, let's say, that, that one side will say about the other side, that will create such fear around them. It's not just a difference of ideas, but you need to fear what they represent. You need to fear the person um, because we know that the power of fear will coalesce a people and their resources and their attention around whatever you want them to be about. That's not what Paul's doing. Remember, in Christ, we are already victorious. Paul gives this caution, he gives this understanding of the times more as a victory based understanding. Listen, already and not yet. You need to understand the not yet, but he you, you teaches elsewhere about the already that we come at this from a position of victory, not a position of fear. Maybe you took driver's ed along the way. I remember from my driver's ed class that there was no small amount of attention given to intersections, right, that, that you need to come up to intersections and, and that there would be challenges in intersections. Now, our driver ed, driver ed instructor didn't do that to create a fear in us, about intersections. Oh, avoid intersections. Don't go to them. They're, they're bad, and bad things happen in intersections. If you can, avoid them at all. That's not what he's doing. That's not what it, it's not like a fearful thing. He's saying, listen, in these end times, there's going to be things you need to navigate, and, and you need to know how. And, and with intersections, we were taught, here's how to navigate your way through those difficult days. Okay, so if that's the, the times in which we live in, these later times, difficult times, times of tribulation and struggle, even as we're victorious, Paul then goes on to help us with some wisdom. He says, here's some people to avoid. Here's some people to avoid. If you remember from last week, it was fleeing passions mostly to doing with quarreling, so we were fleeing those passions. Now we're encouraged to avoid a certain group of people. Then there's this long list of uh, adjectives that go on to describe the people that were to avoid. Um, There are 19 descriptors. 18, if you take the last one as ep-exegetical, that's a college word um, that means that, you, you know, that clarifies all the things that came before it right? So, if that last one kind of clarifies and describes the stuff that came before it, or at least the one just came before it. So, there's more description going on. But listen to this list, and then we'll catch just the last one. Uh, Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and here it is and if you have that niv version you'll see that extended hyphen right at this point having the appearance of godliness but denying its power you know if time permitted we could go back through each of those uh, descriptors and we could look at the words being used and and why paul chooses to use those words our time is shorter than that so we'll look at that last one as as a way of kind of clarifying all that has come before in that paragraph. People who have the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, people who are playing a game, people who are connected possibly here to the church. Maybe there's some other people, but, but people connected, and, and they're playing the godly game. They, they show up. They go through some of the patterns. They're, they're, they're living near you or among you, and, and, and they look like they're being godly, but they're really denying the power of God. When you investigate their life and, and what they hold to be true and, and the decisions they make and the, and the way that they live, they are um, playing a game we could assign the name posers. In fact, Paul even calls them imposters, but posers. I first became aware of the word posers when I was out in the West Coast, and it was used of people who were kind of you know, two different groups. It was either people trying to identify with the surfing crowd or with the skateboard crowd, and, and, and so they were wearing the clothes, they were using the language, but they weren't part of either of those groups, posers. A definition you can find online, a poser is one who inauthentically adopts a certain subculture, a person playing a role, a fake, an imposter. So here, Paul is saying, listen, among you, people who have become a part of your subculture, that there are people there that, that have the appearance of godliness, but they deny the power of God. So Paul gives an example of these malevolent posers. He goes, listen, it's like this. So there are men who creep into homes and capture women. And he describes the women, and he's not making a blanket statement of all women. That's not what's going on. In fact, one of the commentators I I, um, was spending some time with this past week that um, was describing it, you can almost get a sense of this is some of Paul's pastoral experience, like his personal pastoral experience. He goes, there are these men who creep into homes, and there are women, they're, they're capturing the women, their attention, their, their allegiance, their, um, that there's a power play involved in. He describes the women this way, who are burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth, which puts them in a vulnerable position. So, these men who creep in and and take advantage of the situation, he goes, um, they're like Janice and Jambres, and by the way, I'm I'm pretty much 99% uh, certain that I am not pronouncing their names correctly. Um, uh, So, if you happen to know either of them personally, please apologize to them for me. So these are interesting names, because if you go to Exodus um, chapter 7, verse 11, there's that story in that part of Exodus where uh, Moses is in front of Pharaoh, and he takes the staff that God had, you know, said, here, take this staff with you, and, and the staff does this amazing thing God provides for the staff to do this amazing thing. Well, then it says that the magicians came along, Pharaoh's magicians came along, and they did some kind of trick, some kind of uh, sleight of hand, and, and that... That their staff did something amazing as well. Over time, the names aren't given there. Over time, the Jewish people, the he- he- Hebrews, came to refer to those two, uh, to those magicians with these two names. And so he's saying, listen, hey, you remember that story of, uh, um, of uh, Janus and Jamris? It's the same type of thing. They're posers, they're pretending to be godly. But they really deny the power of God. Just like those men who are taking advantage of these women. Here's the summation that Paul has in this. They will not get very far. For their folly will be plain to all. Listen, we've seen it. Sometimes it doesn't take too long for someone to be exposed. Sometimes it can be a little bit longer. Maybe it'd be a decade or a couple decades or maybe a whole career. Sometimes we look back into history and we find, wait a minute, that person said they were this, but they weren't that at all because we know now. Well, here's Paul's word on these people. These people that really are denying the power of God, even though they look like they're buying into it. He says, avoid people. Avoid people like this, the stubbornly resistant, the posers, the people who have the appearance of godliness but deny the power of God. Last week, we we saw that Paul was talking to Timothy, and he was saying, listen, I know that there's some people that are um, misspeaking about the resurrection. They're teaching the wrong thing, that it's already occurred. And Paul's counsel to Timothy at that point was, you know, gently correct them, and so there can be times when we come across somebody who's not aligning, and maybe it's even ourselves that we're the someone that other people are coming across that aren't aligning with what God has revealed to be true. And, and there can be times when gentle correction is really the call of the day. But Paul says, listen, there needs to be some discernment because there can be patterns in others where they're just not going to change, they're, they're not changing. And so, here He says, avoid them altogether. It requires discernment. Now, it's appropriate that we would acknowledge Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And people who would fit this description could be an enemy of the gospel. These 19 characters, or 18 in the summation, they could be enemies of the gospel. We could understand them that way. And absolutely, we're to love them and, and we're to pray for them, especially as that becomes persecution. But I believe what Paul is helping us to understand, that there's something about being the covenant people of God. I love, in fact, I was having a conversation with someone this past week about this, that, that in our denomination, we don't just say, you're a member of a church, because it's not a, 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 a benign joining. That when you become a part of a community like this, that our denomination understands it. You become part of a a group of people defined by a covenant that we have with God, a covenant people. We make a covenant in the covenant of God with each other. And so, the, when I put that together, and I understand Paul saying, listen, Timothy, you don't want to accommodate these other ideas. You don't want to accommodate the, the mission or the, the nature of the church community or the teaching of Scripture in order to fit these other ideas in. Listen, these people are toxic. These, this teaching is not working. They're, they're not really buying into the way of God. So avoid them. Avoid them. We can see, still pray for them. We can uh, do the other things that would show love, but avoid them. All right, so if that's uh, people to avoid, there are patterns to continue in. Patterns to continue in. And so when we get to that second part of the passage in verse 10 and following, we find that what Paul says to Timothy, he goes, listen, here's here's a pattern you've already been following. There's a pattern you've already been paying attention to and that you've allowed to kind of help you understand what it is to be a servant in a congregation, to to be a servant of Christ in this world. It uh, comes to us from uh, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Here's what Paul writes there. He says, you, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me. And he describes some places where he was on what we call his first missionary trip. He goes, uh, persecutions um, I endured, yet from all of them, the Lord rescued me. You know that uh, If you have the NIV, I don't think all the mys are in there. But there's a thing in in the Greek where uh, Paul includes a definite article after uh, each of the things he lists. And so the ESV tries to establish um, that kind of feeling as Paul's conveying it. He's really saying these are the things. He does use the word my at the beginning, and, and then he comes in and goes, my, you know, this, 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 and this. But there's a real connection of you've been following me. You've been following me. You know, the question that comes to my mind with regard to this is, is for me to ask, you know, who's my Paul? Who's my Paul? Who, am I, uh, who have I been following in the wake of? And, and how have I been doing in that? And, and what does it look like? And, and, and so, if there's a pattern to be followed, and here's what I came up with. So, in my day-to-day walk, I, I try to follow, first and foremost, the pattern of Christ, right? That we're followers of Christ, that He is the way, the life we're to live. I look and I try to follow the pattern of, of the Apostle Paul and listen to his teachings, but like you, I may have other people, and so there's people, the saints of, of the church over time, the uh, Augustine, the Desert Fathers, um, I you can look at other lives throughout, and then in, in more contemporary people maybe you've heard before. Someone at a conference or a book you read, someone like a, a Helen Rosevere or a Henry Nowen or a Tony Campolo, or, and I go through this list of people that I, I've observed their faith, and there's something about following in their pattern. Not that they're perfect, not that, except for Christ, not that any of them are perfect, but we're following in that pattern, pulling forth, you know, it's so easy in this world to get caught up in a stream of life. You know, we, we find the, the rapids of raising a family, or, or we find the, the course corrections of career changes, and, and we get caught up in this stream, and we're just going along in this stream, and, and Paul helps us by saying, listen, do you remember the pattern, the pattern? And here for Timothy, the pattern I've laid out for you, I know you're following it. You have been following it. So for each one of us, who's your Paul? Who's your Paul? Are there patterns that you want to be able to go back and capture that you once said, boy, that's important, and maybe because of the flow of the life, of the stream of life that you've been distracted? There's also um, the next thing that Paul goes on to is a pattern learned, a pattern learned. And here we find this in verses 14 and 15. It says, but as for you, Timothy, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy, we've already been introduced to Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And here Paul, probably with a little bit of self-reference as well, because Paul's been such a voice in Timothy's life, but listen, you've learned this, you know it. You've grown up in this. You know your grandmother. Remember? You remember? You know your mom. You've learned this. You you know this stuff. As for you, follow this pattern. Continue in this pattern. Maybe you grew up in the church as well. Maybe you grew up in a family that knew Christ, and, and maybe there was some stories of your mom or your dad or your grandmother said, said, listen, here's some scriptures I want to memorize with you or Maybe there was a Sunday school teacher, and that Sunday school teacher, you even remember today the, that, that first verse you ever uh, memorized, or the teachings of the, uh, of the stories of the Bible. Do you remember? Continue in those teachings. Maybe for you, you came to faith more recently. But even if we come to faith as an adult, we have that temptation to get back in that stream of life and just get distracted and we then normalize our behavior among everybody else and we kind of just go on and Paul's going, wait, do you remember? Do you remember those those early commitments you made? That understanding of how much God loves you and the life He calls into you? You know it. You know it. Continue in that pattern. Who are your Lois's and Eunices. Is there someone you want to reconnect with? Maybe you don't have a Lois or a Eunice. Maybe the opportunity to reach out even in this room or in your life group, in your Bible study, and and say, gosh, you've been a Lois to me. You've been a Eunice to me, and, and I want to continue to grow. Would you help me to continue to grow? Then finally, he gives a pattern exhorted. A pattern exhorting. These last two verses just kind of fall into place here. There's a little bit of an abrupt transition. Paul goes, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. A few quick things here. Did you notice the source? For Paul, Scripture would have been the Old Testament, but even we find in the New Testament that there are some connections that, that we start to see a quote from Luke. Uh, we start to see a reference to some of Paul's writings, and we know that the Spirit of the Lord has worked in the church to affirm what we call the Bible. The Old Testament and New Testament is the Scripture, is the Word of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. That's the source Paul says, listen, this is is important words. It's not like any other words in the world. This is God-breathed words. That doesn't mean that humans weren't involved, but God is the source from which these words come. In addition to the source, he identifies the usefulness. He says, listen, this is profitable for teaching, so teach it. This is profitable for for rebuking or reproofing, so help somebody. If If they're off course, go and help them. Helpful to remember what Jesus said hey, before you deal with the speck in somebody else's eye, would you deal with the log in your own? And then you'll be in a better position to help them. But then when we've done that, we can help somebody else. When we come along, and there can be this thing of, hey, what's going on? I see a difference between your life and the pattern here, and I want better for you. I want better for you. Let's, let's work on this together. And that's where the next turn comes, correcting is going, if there's a reproof, correcting us, here's the, here's the way to go. And then Paul uses that word training, and that's kind of the idea of training up a child. And and so we train. We train in righteousness, the way of God. This is the usefulness of Scripture. Then finally, he gives an outcome that the person of God might be complete, equipped for every good work, or as the NIV puts it, thoroughly equipped. An outcome, a pattern exhorted. So the question that comes out of that is, for whom are you, a Timothy? Timothy. For whom are you a Timothy, someone that takes the Word of God and uses it well in their life to, to help and to, to encourage and to bring people to a way of living a righteous life? Who does, have God have in, whom does God have in your life sphere that He would have you represent the teaching of Scripture? You don't have to be a, the Bible teacher in a, in a small group or a Bible study. Maybe there's someone else in there that you sense could use just someone coming alongside them. All that is to say the preeminent role of Scripture. It's the pattern to continue Scripture being in your life. All right, so here's the wisdom. We began by saying a fundamental key to successful living. As a follower of Christ, given the times that we are in, the difficult, violent, fierce times of tribulation, the already and the not yet, the last days, the end times, the end of an age, the times that we live in, the rules that we can live by, Paul will go, here's some wisdom. Avoid unrelenting, recalcitrant posers. People that have the appearance of godliness but deny the power of God. And then continue in God's word continuing in God's Word as it's lived out by faithful saints, as it's been taught and um, encouraged in your life, and as you see it in Scripture, that that you would make use of it for God's glory and that we would be equipped for all the good work that God has for us. We are the covenant people of God. In the times we live, Paul would call us avoid people to avoid. But here's a pattern to continue. Let's pray together. God, we may not always be able to claim this, but on a good day, on a day in which we are more alert and open to the movement of your Holy Spirit, we very much want to live according to your wisdom in our lives. So we would ask you that, that you would indeed give us the wisdom that, we would stand for you and all things. Would you give us the wisdom in how we come alongside people and the wisdom when to avoid people? Gosh, Lord, if we are a part of that group that's been identified as being uh, recalcitrant or stubborn and not moving forward and denying your power, would you so convict us by the power of your spirit that we would stop that ungodly way And God, would you convict us in any area where we have given up learning your scripture because we think it's too hard or that's for those other kinds of Christians or would you give us a hunger for your word? And even today that we would make decisions to get to know what you have revealed in the Bible even more, that we would choose to go to Joss's class or that we would pick up the Bible and read through the gospels, that we would memorize scripture, that that we would avail ourselves to the great gift you've given us. Thank you, God. Thank you for the gift of wisdom, the key to living in these times. We praise you and come to the name of your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.